welcome to Clear Horror High. Hosted by Chris Vecchio and Nikki Jack. Welcome back to Queer Horror High, where we're queer, we love horror, and we're really fucking high. I'm Chris, and I'm wearing a velour druid robe. <laughs> and I'm Nikki. I'm the first official member of his cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look like a combination of Skeletor and... Shit, who did I say? Before... <laughs> I do look you like You said Skeletor. the dude from Star Trek? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, say, I, I look like a quark, only because with my <laughs> headphones on and this robe going over the headphones, my head shape is very boxy yet rounded at the same time. So very quark-esque. Very hilarious stuff. You look great, friend. I love it. Mm-hmm. Also a weird version of Whoopi. What was her character's name? Gignan? No, it wasn't Gignan. Oh, my God. Star Trek fans are going to kill me. What was her fucking name? Gotta say, I've never seen a single episode of Star Trek in my life, so. Star Trek Next Generations is the best one. That's what I keep hearing. It was so great. I watched that in, like, The Outer Limits when I was, like, little with my mom because my mom liked it, but ask me if I remember any of that shit. I just remember the niggas who looked mad weird and they had, like, the grooves in their head (laughs) and the big foreheads. Oh, Guinan or yeah, yeah, Gignan Guinan. Hey, you know, it wasn't that far off. And then the (laughs) the nigga with the stena shades was that Lavar Burton. Yeah, yeah, he had the cool sunglasses. Mm -hmm. So today we are talking about Tales from the Hood from 1995, directed by Rusty Cundiff. I have no idea if I'm saying that right, but I didn't realize until I watched this again that he also directed Fear of a Black Hat, which is a great underseen kind of like music mockumentary a la Spinal Tap from the early 90s. Probably his film right before this, honestly. Oh, nice. Yeah, so if you haven't seen that, check it out. It's really funny. (laughs) I just know that this movie, Tales from the Hood, is EP'd by Spike Lee, which is cool. Yeah, I noticed right away the first thing that pops up is like 40 Acres and a Mule Productions, and you're like, oh, Spike Lee is involved. So this is going to be intense and... I'm here for what is going to be in this movie because I had not seen this for at least 20 years. I think I had seen it a couple years after it came out with like some friends at a sleepover, but I had not seen it since. And seeing it all these years later, it is really smart. And it says things that we're still just not where as a culture, white people are still discovering right now. Like this movie, again, like kind of like Death by Temptation, it's not ahead of its time. It's just people are finally, like, Americans as a whole are finally listening to the messages in a movie like this. But this came out in 1995 and really, like, talked about a lot of important stuff. Sorry, I'm really high thinking. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I have, like, tons of thoughts. No, I've watched this movie, like, every year since I was, like, eight. Um, (laughs) 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 So, first of all, um, I'm a latchkey kid, so I... 
I was raised by the television and movies, specifically hood movies, because I remember when I was like little one time. Um, I was at either summer camp or I was in school. I forgot what this was for, but you know, we had to like talk about our like hopes and dreams and fears and stuff, and everyone had to write their fears on a piece of paper and then like say them out loud and then like, burn them in the fire. I'm pretty sure this is summer camp. So, like, everyone's saying their fears and stuff, and it's like, I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared of fucking losing my parents. And I was like, I'm scared of being shot in a drive-by. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, I grew up in the suburbs of Minnesota. And so there's absolutely <laughs> no way I would ever experience a drive-by. But I had watched so many John Singleton movies that summer. And then also just, like, other really great hood classics that I just assumed that everything was, like, you know, about a drive-by and I was going to be killed. So, like, I was very just, like, much into like obscenely violent movies that were also like with messages and I didn't get the message part until yeah. much later in life. Who cares? Yeah. But I love Tales from the Hood. This is like one of my favorite movies of all time. I love the soundtrack. I love every actor in this movie. I love all the stories. Like it's deep. It's funny. It's kind of campy. It's like, it's just so many layers to it. And there's um, so many ways to explore this movie. I'm really glad that you haven't seen in a long time because you kind of have a different perspective than me because I probably like missed mm-hmm. a lot of stuff where I wasn't looking for a lot of stuff. So I'm interested to hear like your take on it, especially because like I said, I've mm-hmm. watched this movie so many times. I specifically skipped this movie this year for Halloween though because I knew we were going to talk about it on the show at some point. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to like spoil it for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But yeah, dude, I'm super stoked. But before we get into the movie... What's the high mm-hmm. tea? What you smoking on, friend? Um, I am smoking on Purple Queen. I'm pretty sure I've smoked on that before on this show. I like, you know, it, it makes me laugh a lot. So it was the perfect weed to smoke while watching this movie. It's not as much of a straight up comedy as I remember, but I think maybe because the context has changed. Yeah. But we'll get into that later. But it was still like, I don't know, it put me in a good place to view this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like a fruity weed and it's pretty fruity. The one thing I am disappointed at is that, you know, my dispensary gives me like a free gram. And listen, I know this is free. I'm not complaining. I didn't pay for this. But they definitely gave me like male flower. Okay. Like it is squishy weed with no crystals and it does not get me high. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I know it's free and I shouldn't be complaining, but it does feel a little shady to be like, here's a free gram of like grass that's not going to get you stoned. Like, did they think that I wouldn't spot that? And quite frankly, they were right. I didn't spot it. Andrew did. <laughs> but it does not get you high at all. Oh, God. So Say their I'm names. I'm on to you guys. Say their names. Just kidding. Don't. You don't have to. Because we might need them for a sponsor. I'm not. They have my address, so. <laughs> not I'm not going to say you, their child. name. Not the uh, dispensary running down <laughs> on you over a bad Yelp review. That's funny. <laughs> no, because you know what? I've left some... Uh-huh. Um, and reviews on weed maps before and i've been cussed out in the same app i'm like oh, okay um excuse mm-hmm. me sir sorry that you was out here selling mid and i called you on it you, mm-hmm. you're gonna get mad with me hell no this wasn't even mid this was like not like yeah, it wasn't yeah. it's not even <laughs> technically it's nothing. marijuana but not it's even, really not weed not even reggie i also had a couple of no it's not i also had a couple of bootchcrafts so because <laughs> It was drag race night, so I was like, let's have some bootcrafts to watch this mess. Love that for you, you hipster bitch. I know. I just hope I'm less fucked up than last week because, oh my God, I fucked up several references. I remember saying like something about 
the the bartender looks like DeBarge or the guy that sings Rhythm of the Night. And then I was like, wait a minute, that's DeBarge. (laughs) So I was like, oh shit. I meant DeBarge or the guy that sings Someone's Watching Me. And I just didn't. It didn't. The wrong song title came out. The wrong Get your niggas from out. the 80s together, Chris. Oh, no. God. <laughs> you know all the white people from the 80s? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. It's Black History Month. You know I get a tease. No, I know. I'm <laughs> so what are you smoking on? <laughs> smoking on some jet fuel. Um, okay. I wish it was real jet fuel so I can get the fuck out of oh. here. Um, <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a girl can dream. But I... <laughs> Yeah, I'm just smoking on <laughs> jet fuel, trying to get through the week. I'm tired as fuck. I just, like, mere existence feels like such a chore. But alas, we're here trying to do our best. Yeah, life is a a process sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, we just turned into the Malcolm in the Middle um, theme song. Life is unfair. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I never watched that shit. Really, I love that. I mean, I dated a white boy who was like obsessed with FX television, so oh, I got I got all that, you know. You're not the boss of mm. me now. Anyways, so yeah, today we're covering Tales from the Hood. This is a wonderful tale from the hood. Um, sorry. <laughs> was that your massage pillow no there you know it's the wild west out here people will be on their dirt bikes and their motorcycles oh, and their revved okay. up <laughs> engines like crazy so it's outside y'all i'm sorry there's nothing i can do to protect me from the elements okay of las vegas anyways so let's just get right into it this is uh do you want to give them the rundown from i am i am uh the movie spot whatever the, the fuck the movie <laughs> website is called <laughs> IMDB. Quite frankly, I don't give a shit if we mess up IMDB's name or get their descriptions wrong or whatever, because I tried to edit Kevin Spacey's biography four years ago and call him the rightful pedophile that he is, and they would not accept my edits. Oh my god. So, fuck IMDB. Shame them! Anyway, (laughs) we are. Shame. Fi and shame. Shame. The description on IMDb is a funeral director tells four strange tales of horror with an African-American focus to three drug dealers he traps in his place of business. And the opening credit sequence is incredible because we open up with a skeleton with a gold tooth with 666 engraved in it. And immediately I was like, did Nikki direct this? (laughs) (laughs) You already know. You know the bobs. Yeah, and as, you know, the sequence continues, we see that it's like a full-grown skeleton with a, and he's smoking a joint and has a bandana, shades, (laughs) and a Glock. (laughs) So still very much me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm in the, I'm in the writer's room, like, you know what this skeleton needs? (laughs) A gun? A piece. (laughs) (laughs) A gun and a bandana. Give him some shades, too. He looks cool. (laughs) The gangstification of skeletons. (laughs) Reverse yassification. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, yeah. um, I love the entry to this. And then we get right off the bat, my faves, my faves in black cinema. DeAndre Bonds, who is (laughs) Stacy from The Wood. 
and oh and um he's also playing all of these all three of the main characters are playing themselves because they play themselves in every movie and then i have not omar gooding which is <laughs> he plays the 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 evil light-skinned nigga in like every like the evil light-skinned gangster nigga in like every hood movie in the 90s yeah, bulldog, right? Yeah. He's bulldog in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think he plays like another something dog because he's also in um, Don't Be a Menace, and I think he plays a dog in that too. But him and then Joe Tory, not could be could be confused with Guy Tory, his brother, who look who is like mm-hmm. they're the ugly Tates. <laughs> you know how we have <laughs> <laughs> Lorenz Tate <laughs> and Milan Tate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're not them. <laughs> I can see that. I do see that. And so all three of my faves um, walk into a funeral home. This is like the start of a joke. And (laughs) already they arrive at the Sims funeral home and it's super creepy church music playing. It's like an organ. There's a lot of stained glass, gaudy stained glass in that funeral home. And it's just like cobwebs. It's hella creepy off off the rip. And I said the super scary nigga, a.k.a. Clarence Williams III, R.I.P. He died last year. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah, he's playing the keys. He's rubbing the ivories, tickling the ivories, and the funeral home. Don King realness with that hair. Yeah, um, that's always <laughs> been his signature look, though, I feel like. But, yeah, they go into this funeral home. He's playing, and all right away, Joe Torrey is like, I ain't into this dead people shit, all right? <laughs> Which is so funny, because that's the type of shit I would say at a funeral home. Like, yeah, I don't do this dead people shit, you know? We gotta go. He's the one who got scared when Sims answered the door and, like, turned around and whacked his face into, like, the chime or something yeah. and knocked himself out. Uh-huh, because he was, like, not trying <laughs> yeah, to go up in there. he's definitely the most frightened. Mm-hmm. And then uh, not Omar Gooding was like, listen, <laughs> listen, if you see some shit and you get scared, you got your piece, right? Like, if you got your gun, just shoot the shit. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got my, I got my shit. And then he's like, but wait, how am I supposed to kill some shit that's already dead? And then Stacy from the wood, a.k.a. DeAndre Bonds, he's like, that's like refried beans. Like, how the fuck are you going to refry some shit? Why not just fry it right the first time? <laughs> <laughs> it's like such simple dialogue that would like genuinely happen. But you're also like, some shit's about to go down and they're just like goofing off right at the very beginning. Love it. Because they were stoned. They walked up to the smoking. funeral home smoking it. Yeah, <laughs> he was like smoking. So, of course, the weed kicked in. He was like, wait a minute. How you going to refry some shit? Like, it, <laughs> it was great. So, and it's funny because DeAndre Bonds talks like himself in every movie. Because just like in The Wood when he was Stacy, he was like, I'm going to make a whole album about smoking weed. I'm going to call that shit the Weed Album. Should it be hard, right? <laughs> and that was... um. Dr. Dre's uh, inspiration to make The Chronic. Anyways. Oh. So this is one of the best parts of the movie because they go in and they start asking about the shit. And he's like, Mm -hmm. the funeral director's like, yes, the shit. And he's like, keeps talking about, you know, the shit ends up being, they say, like, very early on. The shit is drugs and they're going to get the drugs and stuff. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a mortician. And then his eyes get all creepy and scary and shit. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, yeah, nigga, where the drugs at? Like, we don't give a fuck what you do. <laughs> and then as he's like talking to them, he's like walking around the funeral home and going from casket to casket and stuff. And then he mm-hmm. stops at casket one. And 
that's when we get the intro to um, the game song, The Shit. It's called The Shit on, I think it's (laughs) the documentary. But he Mm -hmm. goes, man, where's the shit? And he goes, you'll get the shit. You'll be knee deep in the shit. Mm -hmm. And then that's the intro (laughs) of the game song. But then, you know, we get Clarence's story. He's the first one. He's the first casket Mm -hmm. because... I remember Stacy from the wood, DeAndre Bonds, being like, ew, what the fuck mm-hmm. happened to this nigga? And he keeps asking as they go to each mm-hmm. casket. So it's like, nigga, you're interested. <laughs> as scared as you are, you're interested. So we get Clarence's story. I think that Sims, Sims to me, uses their masculinity against them to keep them there. Because oh, yeah. they're trying to be real hard. And he's like, I'll tell you the story of Clarence along the way, unless you're too scared. Yeah. And as soon as he like threatens them in that way and is like, unless you're too scared, they're like, no, we'll stay. We'll listen to the story. Mm-hmm. He like coaxes them. He doesn't really trap them like the description leads us to believe. He actually just uses their weakness against them. Yeah. And also their curiosity. Because they're very mm-hmm. like what the fuck is going on? Because black people, see, that's the thing. We as black people, we want to be knowing, but we don't want to know too much that will get us hurt. Like, <laughs> if this information is about to get me killed, you can keep it. But if it's not, what's this tea? Like, <laughs> tell us. <laughs> yeah, so we get Clarence. Uh, my first note about his story is fuck 12 because Clarence is the worst kind of cop, which is a black cop. I mean, all cops are bad. All cops are bastards. But if you're a black man and you are a cop, I'm sorry. Quit your job. UPS is always hiring. And that ties into the message of this story. It does. It really does. Mm -hmm. So he works with racist ass white cops, obviously. Yeah, I call his partner Rat Fink because he just has a rat face. Mm -hmm. The scene is like them pulling over this black man and they're breaking his windows and shit and they already mentioned that he's taking down all the good cops and da 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 he's like no i don't and the black man um who we later find out (laughs) martin morehouse (laughs) yeah i later call him never mind we'll get to that anyways (laughs) he's telling them like i don't fuck with good cops i'm only here to take down the bad cops which is y'all niggas like fuck out of here yeah these cops sell drugs yeah they steal from the people that they extort and arrest, I guess. Uh-huh. And so they like just beat his ass as a unit. Like <laughs> they team uh-huh. up and they're just beating his ass. And Clarence is like, yo, what the fuck are y'all doing? And they're like, chill out. We got this. Go check his plates, like run his plates. We keep doing this. So they like literally bash this man's head into his window. And then like strange fruit by Billy holiday plays. And it's just like a lot. I honestly paused the movie because I just didn't expect that to hit so hard, like 10 minutes into the movie. Like that, as soon as Strange Fruit started to play, I was like, how did this go under the radar as like a social artifact for so long? Because obviously this movie has its fans, but it is not in mainstream horror or cinema at all. As he's getting his ass beat, Strange Fruit is playing and there's also flashes of him being like, you know, a senator and like his political position and stuff. And... Clarence is pissed and he's like not really he's a rookie so he doesn't have any power himself he's kind of just like in a fucked position because it's between like choosing his job and like Mm -hmm. his position in society type shit so and he's in the car telling his partner and it's funny because he's all typeface Clarence and when he gets like angry and typeface he looks like Chris Rock (laughs) he did he did look a little bit like Chris Rock Chris Rock when he had his first face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Original face. And the cops, like, 
get to, you know, the destination of where they want to take. Because I feel like Clarence and his partner go one way and the cop and the, the other, like, two cops, because it's three cops total. Mm. The other two cops take Martin's car and the other cop car. And their car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they drive off separately. So they're, it's like the white cops are on their own with this victim that they just assaulted and then they got clearance the fuck out of there type shit and so the cops stage martin's death and they put him behind the driver's seat shoot him up with dope put two bricks in a trunk and crash his car and then clarence wakes up from this dream like this fever dream and the whole his whole surroundings in his room is just a hot mess you could tell he's been unemployed because Mm-hmm. Some shit happened after the situation. He's an alcoholic now. He's a mess. His apartment is like very just like depressed. Like he's at his lowest, you know? The last thing his partner said to him was never rat on a fellow officer or break the code. So when we're in this scene, it's obvious that like he unfortunately probably stuck to that and is now ostracized into a state of alcoholism and despair. Exactly. So, yeah, like years have passed. And so Clarence like calls all the cops that were there that night to the cemetery and they all have a meetup and they find Clarence sitting on Senator Morehouse's grave. And he just comes out swinging and starts telling them like everything that they did was bullshit and calls them out on every single one of their lives from the past and all the shit they had said and talked. And they're like, who gives a fuck, nigga? This is over. Like, we got away with it. He's dead. It's it's done. Well, they still lie to him, though. They say that Martin refused to go to the hospital because that's what they told him mm-hmm. to get him to calm down. And we know that that's they bullshit. never took him to the hospital. They never try it. Yeah, and they just kind of give up on trying to convince him of their lies, and they're just like, who gives a fuck, nigga? We're out of here. And then before they leave, the main white cop who's like the shittiest, he's like, I'm going to take a piss on his grave. Like, I don't give a fuck. This is how much I don't give a fuck about this motherfucker. And so he takes a piss. And then the other two white cops are like hesitant at this point. You can tell they're just like over because it's already creepy. They're at this, this guy's grave. They're in a cemetery at night. Mm-hmm. It's mad creepy. So the other one does it, I think. Yeah, the big hatchet-faced cop does it. And then he asks, like, the fucking sad-ass little guinea cop, like, the Italian pissant cop to do it. <laughs> Billy, I think? Mm-hmm. And he goes to do it, and he's terrified because Clarence was telling them that Martin told him to bring them to him. You could tell that the cops are trying to be all, like, tough and be like, oh, we don't believe this shit. But Billy and Ratfink genuinely look scared. So the Billy cop pisses on the grave and he gets martin's hand coming out and grabbing his belt well grabs his dick oh yeah you know he grabs his dick while he's peeing and then he just slams his head into the fucking gravestone and then pulls him in the ground yeah and uh takes him down and then um zombie luther king that's what i called it (laughs) (laughs) zombie luther king comes back and that's Martin. And um, <laughs> the last two cops peel out and ZLK is on the motherfucking car and they are shook because he is on their ass. Like there is like uh, nothing getting between him and them. No, because they shot at him and it didn't do anything. Yeah. So they are freaked the fuck out. So he ends up on the car and then at one point he ends up on the hood of the car and he's able to like rip the worst cops head off through the car and shit. It's crazy. It's actually a really cool scene. Um, but he beheaded that nigga and the other one tries shooting him and it doesn't work. And 
they try they have a whole little shootout moment he like even like shoots zombie luther king on like a car and it explodes and he's on fire and stuff and so you think he's done for but he's not zlk comes back and the last cop like ends up in like the sketchiest part of town kind of where clarence was hanging out when he had his little revelation yeah it's right by a mural of martin Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it's like like how every um, Martin Luther King Boulevard is only in the projects in the hood. That's true. This mural is like such a beautiful mural and it's in the most hood, slummy, like terrible part of town. And there's nothing but like addicts and transient people all over. But this is where this cop ends up like, you know, stumbling around town just looking for like to get away from Martin and you see all these needles and shit on the ground and zombie luther king like pops up behind him it's so scary he like pops up behind him and he's like basically on some you'll never get away from me shit and i know you did last Mm -hmm. summer and um (laughs) and he fucking (laughs) makes the needles on the ground like come up and like basically like nail him to this cross on the mural And Mm -hmm. it's this cool thing because he gets nailed to this cross with all these like old junky needles. And then he eventually becomes a part of the mural. Yeah, the last one goes through his mouth. And like he almost looks like he turns into like a lesion. Like he turns into a gross like pustule looking thing and then melt into the wall. It's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then he's a part of the mural forever. It looks crazy. It's sick. And you could tell like based on the crimes that the cops were committing earlier, it's symbolic. Like he got killed with his sin like yeah he he was part of this ring of cops stealing drugs and selling them and he got killed with a bunch of fucking dirty needles just like they planted on martin when they sent his body in the river mm-hmm. and then zombie luther king looks at clarence and said where the fuck was your antennas when them niggas was trying to kill me and he ends up in a psych ward as a cop killer so that's just how his story panned out Yeah, because Clarence ran away from doing what was right. Like, obviously he was pressured and, you know, there's a lot of factors involved in why he didn't say anything. But, like, he broke the code amongst his people but kept the code with the cops. Mm -hmm. You chose the wrong side, yeah. Yeah, you chose the wrong code and bond to keep intact here. And I think that's what Martin is teaching him. Yeah. So then we get back to the funeral home because that's the end of story one. I do have one funny note because at one point before Strom, the big Legends of the Hidden Temple looking motherfucker cop gets his head ripped off, they crash into a pile of garbage on the street like a bunch of trash cans. And I wrote, oh, they crash into themselves (laughs) (laughs) because they are trash. Sorry, that was such a dumb joke to pause for, but I had to tell it. You're proud of yourself. Um, (laughs) Marginally proud. (laughs) So they move on to the next casket and they open it and they say, what the fuck happened to him? (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's DeAndre Bonds. (laughs) I really hope he hears this and hears like how much I revere him and he calls me. <laughs> I also love you in Snowfall. So we get Walter's story. And Walter is this little boy who I always say is not Mackay Pfeiffer's son. <laughs> oh. 
Because if you know, you know, he looks just like Mackay Pfeiffer. He does. Oh, he does. He's a little boy from Soul Food. He was like the little boy in all the movies. Um, also not Lil Saint, but he uh, <laughs> is a new boy in school. It's his first day. And um, like he's introduced to the class. Nothing really exciting until we get to the recess the first day and there's a fight on the playground. And, of course, he has to go to the nurse's office because, you know, boys get tough and they r- rough each other up. And so he's in the nurse's office and the teacher comes by to ask questions and see what happened, what's going on. And the nurse is like, um, he's fine. You know, boys just roughing each other up. But he does have a black eye. He's like, oh, already? She's like, yeah, this wasn't from this fight, though. This is this has mm-hmm. been here for a little bit. And then the teacher's like, oh, shit. Well, Walter, who did this to you? And then Walter's like, um, not saying much. And he's like, Walter, mm-hmm. really, who did it to you? Like, did was it your mom? Was it your dad? And Walter's saying no to all these questions. And he's like, it's a monster. And then he's like, well, Walter, if you don't tell me who did this to you, I can't help you. And then Walter's like, it's a monster. And then he eventually, like, leaves the room being like, he said no one would believe me. By the way, the teacher in this story is the director of this movie. Yes, it is. So that's like a fun Richard. Yeah. Well, Richard is the character. We also find out that Walter's dad is dead and that the monster showed up right after his dad died. Mm -hmm. And also the the monster based on like the drawings in the first little scene just looks like a really buff lizard. (laughs) It's a very interesting monster. Like a snake man. He just roars and jiggles the doorknob. That's what the monster does. He roars and jiggles the doorknob, at least just in the beginning. Yeah, well, from what we see, we know that Walter is, like, deathly afraid, though, of this monster. Mm-hmm. And because the first opening scene we get of Walter is this monster jiggling his door. And then we get him at school. And because it's, like, just back and forth yes. between the home and the school. But mm-hmm. after, you know, his teacher asks all these questions, we get him back at home and it's jiggling again. And this time he puts stuff in front of the door. So we know that this monster is very aggressive and very intense. Mm-hmm. And you're almost, like, scared with Walter because you don't know. You just, like, hear mm-hmm. the shadow. And st- yeah. Or, like, hear it and see You the hear the roars and you just see the hand come through because the monster breaks through the barricade and reaches his hand inside and then it cuts. Yeah. And so the next day at school, Walter is toe up and the teacher's horrified. Yeah. And he sees Walter at one point because he skips recess and then he's, he asks Walter, like, what's up? Why aren't you not outside with the other kids? Because he sees Walter drawing. And Walter's like, um, no, I'm just going to color. And he's like, well, what are you drawing? And he's like, Lori told me. And Lori's his other classmate. And he's like, Lori told me that um, her parents told her that if she draws her monsters and then destroys the picture, it'll destroy the monster. And he's mm-hmm. like, so I'm going to do that, too. <laughs> and he goes, mm-hmm. I drew the monster. <laughs> <laughs> and I drew Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> also, I did write that monster has some nice titties in that drawing. Those are some like <laughs> lizard creature titties. Those are the titties of that like South American crocodile character, Kuka. And if you don't know who Kuka is, look her up. <laughs> You're a hoot. <laughs> Not a Kuka reference. I love that meme of Kuka going like, hold on a second, like that. Oh, yeah. Of Kuka. It's just the best. Look up Kuka. There was a year on Twitter where we couldn't escape a Kuka uh, gif or like meme. It was everywhere. But 
Anyways, yeah. Walter's like, yeah, I drew the monster and I drew Tyrone. Because <laughs> Tyrone's the kid who beat, <laughs> beat him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's funny because he literally says, if I draw the monsters, then I destroy them. They'll be destroyed too. And he's like, here's Tyrone. <laughs> I don't know why, why that sends me, but it does. Because um, he's calling like a, he's calling an eight-year-old child a monster. I mean, even though he's also a child too. It's just, and it's like it's the funny. idea of him basically openly admitting to like wanting to like get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. Open homicide. And so then <laughs> the teacher is like, all right, can I talk to your parents? And Walter's like, I mean, I guess. And so they kind of like end the scene. But when they end it, Walter crumples up the picture. The picture falls off Walter's desk when the teacher walks by to leave. And then Walter picks it up and he like thinks it's dumb. So he just like balls it up. And then you just hear a fucking scream. And it's Tyrone. And it's so funny because the teacher is outside trying to figure out what happened to Tyrone. And then the janitor is like, it's the strangest thing that ever happened. He he just <laughs> <laughs> he just fell down the stairs, broke his arms and his legs. But how do you break your arms and your legs falling down? The way that he says it is so <laughs> ridiculous. Falling well, down. And he's like, boy must have had weak bones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He just, the way the janitor of all people just dismisses it. Boy, must yeah. have had weak bones. Um, like but, it, sounded, it sounds like the old, like, white soothsayer in, like, Western movies when, like, a child would die of cholera and they yeah. were just like, well, the boy just didn't have any gumption. <laughs> weak ass. <laughs> Pathetic, no. Yeah, but then... <laughs> Darwinism. <laughs> Tyrone is just getting it, dude. So then we get the next cut to the teacher showing up at Walter's house. And I'm like, oh, big yikes, bro. What? Why teachers got to just be popping up? And this is the 90s when they could just like do whatever they wanted as teachers. They felt like they was like a second set of parents. Mm-hmm. But he walks up to the door and who answers? Walter's mama. And who is it? Wait, we cannot skip over the fact that when he is standing there waiting for the door to open, a mouse shits on him. Why is there oh, a no, mouse? Oh, no, it was a bird. It was a bird. Was it a How high was I when I was watching this movie? It was a bird. For some reason, it looked like there was a mouse to, you know what? It is what it is. I was high as hell. <laughs> Why would a mouse? Th- that's exactly it. Oh I should have rounded, but I did I thought that maybe Walter had like a pet mouse or hamster or something and that motherfucker got out, was on the ledge and shit on his head. But I guess it was a bird, which makes way more sense. But it's also at night. What bird's hanging around at like 10 p.m.? What? I guess it's probably winter and it's only 6 p.m. Have you ever had a pet hamster? Like, first of all. Yes, I have, but he didn't know. That's why I was confused. Why would he get out on like the roof and then like just shit on a... I don't want to get into I this don't right know. now. I don't want to get into no, th- this. No, we, we could just we could just move on. I have no idea why I thought right that. Along. Anyways, Walter's <laughs> teacher gets shit on by a bird, and his mom, <laughs> Paula Jai Parker, and all her teeth open a door, <laughs> and she's being oddly seductive because she just got out of the shower and her little wig is wet and her like they've like. <laughs> misted some water on her chest to give the illusion that she was like out the shower and she's in a robe and shit mm-hmm. being all like, I don't remember anybody coming who's here, who's 
do I know you? Being all like weird and whispery. I hate Paula Jai Parker. I'm sorry. I love her, but I hate her at the same time. <laughs> Thank you for being, you know, Penny Proud's mama, but also you're doing too much in this role. Anyways, she's just being super seductive with Walter's teacher. She's like, I'll be right back in a minute. And she comes out in sketty straps, this like spaghetti strap dress with no bra. Her titties just out and still a little moist from the shower and she's like uh immediately goes to wipe off his like bird shit off his like thing and she's getting all like close and whispering in his face with all her bad breath and teeth you're cleaning animal feces (laughs) off of him and hitting on him at the same time that's gross like mom you wait a minute like, you are, are you that big voice? horny. Yeah, you are big horny, Ma. Come on, relax. This is my teacher, Ma. Come on. Like, if I was Walter, I'd be like, get it together, you whore. Like, <laughs> you know dad's going to come home and beat her ass. It's just like, also, uh, you're cleaning shit off of him. Like, this is just not the moment. This what? is not sexy to anybody. Like, why you play the doo-doo sexy? <laughs> like... <laughs> that's not sexy yet. Uh, <laughs> but oh, anyways so they're having this weird seductive moment over bird shit and fucking the teacher brings up the monster and mama is pissed she's pissed mm-hmm. she's like watch get your narrow behind in here now she turns into every black mama in the 90s and <laughs> He's like, uh, shit. And she's like, what did I tell you about talking about them goddamn monsters all the time? Didn't I tell you to stop doing all that? Da, 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 da. And then the the horn honks in the front. And this pisses me off because I'm like, nigga, I know you don't come home every day and honk the horn. I guess it's a warning. I don't know. But the horn honks. I feel like that's like, that's like, woman, get ready for me. I'm coming in the house. Get my shit ready. Yeah, I like, think get that's ready exactly to take care what of it me. is. That's what that is. That's exactly what it is. He's announcing himself so the family can give him the time. Their time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the horn honks, she's fucking shook. She tells Walter, get your ass upstairs and tells the teacher, you gotta get out. Just be quiet. Don't say nothing. Chill. Follow my lead type shit. And mm-hmm. immediately... It's David Allen Greer. He walks in the door. Yeah, it was just an interesting role for him. Like, he's usually such a pleasant presence in a movie. Did you know he went to theater school? And he's like, he's like a renowned, like, theater actor. Like, he has, like, a, an intense, like, acting background. I could see that. He's very, like, his acting style is very polished. Yeah, um, he's incredible, though. And this is, like, during his, like, right after his In Living Color days, I believe, or right around that time. So he's, like, huge. So it's, like, a big deal for him to be in this movie. Anyways, David Allen Greer uh, automatically is, like, why didn't you open a door? Like, you didn't get the door? You just standing there? He tells that to Paula J. Parker. And I'm, like, oh, like, I'm scared at this point of this nigga. And immediately met with hostility with the teacher. The teacher is like, I'm Walter's teacher, kind of trying to just talk about Walter at school. And he's like, well, is everything all right? And he's like, I mean, yeah, outside of the fact that Walter has been talking about these monsters. And showing up with bruises. And showing up with bruises. And I'm like, nigga, read the room. Like, you can already tell they're hella scared. Why are you, like, you're making things worse as a mm-hmm. teacher. Like, well, why are you doing this? Well, because Richard tells Carl, Carl is David Allen Greer, that... Walter says he needs to kill the monster. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Richard says that to Carl, you could see his eyes turn. So he like is like, Richard, you're going to leave now. And Carl's like, I'll talk to him. 
it made me question at this point, even though we know what's about to happen. Well, I do now because I've seen it. At the time, I was like, is the monster a representation of trauma in general or is it just straight up Carl? Both, yeah. But then we find out because Richard, the teacher, goes outside to his car and he hears some shit in the house because Carl goes upstairs and threatens Walter. And as he threatens Walter, like he has that monster's roar to his voice. And as you see him enter, he has the monster's hands. So the mom tries to like intervene and Carl just beats the shit out of her. And I feel like he like whips her with something too. Dude, he, did you see that like face smash? He was like, woman. <laughs> he, he, do, he does that later to Walter too. And maybe the teacher, he palms motherfuckers. He uses the palm of his hands like boom. He's got some karate moves. That's martial arts. <laughs> I, know, know? I know that like violence, especially domestic, any sort of violence like is not funny. But the way that he was beating the ass, like, oh my God. You know what it is? It's because the palm like that is so blunt. It's so fast that you're like, oh shit. It's like an uncomfortable laugh, but also it's like, it's almost slapstick in how quickly it comes out. Yeah. You don't see it coming. Um, and neither did It's kind they. of like the violence in Itania. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so quick and intense that it's, it's, you laugh a little bit and the movie is kind of played as a black comedy, but then you're like, I should not be laughing at stuff like this, but the way it's played is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Word. Cause I get, I laugh and I'm nervous, but he just beats the shit out of both of them. And Walter's teacher, um, luckily never left and he runs back inside and that I was like, well, now everybody's going to get their ass beat. Way to go. And that's kind of just kind of what happens. And David Allen Greer is just killing it. Like he is crushing this. He's palming them left and right. And I think by this time he is because we saw the shadow of him being the monster. We saw like the horns and stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And we saw that he has a tattoo that says monster, which that's a little on the nose. <laughs> but it made me giggle. Like, he has a tattoo that says monster. We get the symbolism. But, I think that's supposed to be, like, the campiness of it all. Yeah. But then Walter, he is, like, sick it. Because his mom takes a frying pan, which is something my grandma used to do a lot. And she goes to try to go upside his head and doesn't succeed. And Walter's like, oh, he's going to kill my mama. And so he mm -hmm. gets some good sense. And he takes one of the pictures of the monster. And he starts folding it like origami. And then we just see one limb and then the next mm -hmm. limb. And they're all getting like, and you hear the bones like crush and crack mm -hmm. and stuff. And then, it, then he twists the paper mm -hmm. and his like body twists around from the middle, from the waist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he's just like crumpling this paper in all kinds of ways to the point where like Carl is just like a puddle of bones and like mm -hmm. mass. And he's still cussing with a frying pan in his hand. He's still talking yeah. shit. His, like, head is next to the frying pan at this point. And yeah. The, like, the, the bone puddle. Uh-huh. And he's just talking shit still. And the teacher goes over to the stove, turns the pilot thing on, and... Well, before that, the mom steps on it. That's what kills him. Yeah. She steps on it, and his, like, head splats. Yeah. Which was fun. They set the paper on fire, and then, you know, we get back to the funeral home. And it's funny, because you just see a skeleton head that's burnt to a crisp with, like, a hand that's, like, by mm -hmm. it. Like, oh. Yeah, he's like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, and it's funny, because DeAndre Bond's face, when he's looking at um, the casket that David Allen Green's body is, and he's mm -hmm. just, like, he looks so, like, horrified and weirded out. It's very hilarious. Then we get... The dolls. This is my favorite one. The 
funeral director, Sims or whatever, tells them like that he found this doll or he got this doll. There's a soul transferred into it. And it was the soul of this old slave and blah, blah, blah. And it's an interesting story. And they're all like, wait, for real? Our three pals at the funeral home are like, holy shit. Like, they're really starting to believe what this nigga has to say because they're kind of shook by these dolls. Because this doll is like actually terrifying looking. This is Duke's story. It's the only story of a white guy. And we just open up with like the worst quote that's basically reverse racism the quote (laughs) where it's like affirmative action quotas and reparations mean another qualified individual won't get a job or education (laughs) simply because he's not the right color and this is an ad for this guy to be governor and he's trying to win people over he's trying to win over black people according to his pr guy because this man duke metger used to be in the clan Mm -hmm. played by corbin bernson Known from The Dentist and also from the reality TV show Celebrity Mole. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember watching him on. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. His PR guy's like, you might even get a few black votes with this ad. Oh, my God. And then, then he says his yard looks like a minstrel show. And if they worked as hard as they did hounding him, they'd get off. They'd be able to mm-hmm. get rid of welfare. Yeah, because there are a bunch of like preachers and picketers outside. Yeah. Because his house used to be the house that he lives in used to be a plantation called the dollhouse wilkes plantation oh Mm -hmm. well it's now called the dollhouse i have to just we have to comment on his hulk hogan pat sajak hair because this hair is an abomination it's terrible like it is it's like almost bleach blonde it is silken but it is like quaffed in the worst like early 90s way it's very white caucasian white caucasian oh jesus christ it's very caucasian like televangelist hair oh totally totally i have a theory that um if dogs were people like which dogs would be racist and i always say it's german shepherds and golden retrievers and duke is a golden retriever like the kind that tries to come off as kind and like he doing the best i feel like is that what you're saying by golden retriever in that way like the- no just a blonde racist white man oh okay, okay. <laughs> just like not nothing sur- like very surface nothing like not like he doesn't seem kind he just seems like he just barks nigger like he does not like <laughs> well the matter he gets in this uh little story the more aggressive his language gets that's yeah, for it gets sure very intense i can't wait to say all those slurs so um, he, yeah, it's an informal plantation home and, you know, the people of the community are just not fucking with it. And they're doing like a little like news interview outside of it with all the protesters and stuff. And then all of a sudden some, um, the first black farmer ever comes out of nowhere <laughs> to, <laughs> to interrupt and says, that's the dollhouse and they're going to make him pay. And then mm-hmm. they're like, okay, who are you? He's like, it doesn't matter who He's I am. He's the Ed Gwynn from Pet Cemetery yeah, yeah, of this movie. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, don't go down that road. Don't go down <laughs> the Pet Cemetery now. <laughs> <laughs> don't go in that plantation. <laughs> that was terrible. Don't, don't go down to the dollhouse now. <laughs> <laughs> the dolls will kill you. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's not a mouth. <laughs> yeah, they'll get you. So he said the ancestors are going to make him pay. Duke's like, whatever, dude, shut the fuck up. And the owner of the plantation didn't want to free his slaves. This is the backstory. 
And so mm-hmm. there is a revolt and then lots of slaves were murdered during this revolt. And so this old voodoo woman took those souls from those slaves and transferred Mrs. them. Mrs. Cobb. <laughs> mm-hmm. She transferred them into dolls and the dolls just kind of like hung out with her. And then she died and they made a mural <laughs> to get, and they got like a little gang picture together. It's like, ah, ah, we out here. <laughs> Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um. Duke says that he never found the dolls when he bought the house, but we see that they're under the floorboards. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're trying to film this little campaign video for Duke and they're going over some points and Duke's not getting it right. So the mixed light bright campaign manager is like, Brody. Mm-hmm. which I don't even know if they ever say that. I just saw it in the, the cast list. Not Henry Belafonte, Harry Belafonte. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, during the filming of this bullshit campaign thing, he tries to like do a take and show Duke how to do it. And he ends up saying some shit that's hella racist. He does say, a ra- yeah, he makes a racist joke. Yeah. And then that's what his ass gets because he says it. And then automatically he's by the stairs by this point and he falls down the stairs and he mm-hmm. fucking dies, cracks his skull. And then right by the stairs, there's a doll. And. Mm-hmm. The funeral happens and stuff. Nobody knows it. But at the funeral, some more racist shit happens. And then the uh, first black farmer is back at the funeral, apparently. (laughs) The black farmer dude is trying to warn them again. Like, that house isn't yours. Get Mm -hmm. the fuck out. Them dolls don't want you there. You need to stop. And then Duke calls the reporter lady Mrs. Spooks. Did you notice that? He almost repeated Rhodey's racist joke. He was using all of Rhodey's lines, which I know this is probably a stretch and I was really high, but it's like a white man using black man's material. It almost felt like a condemnation on a lot of things at once. Where no, it is. White men are trying to get successful using a black man's words. Uh-huh. But then he almost repeats the joke because the joke, I'm not going to repeat it, but it was basically, you know, a slur with guns uh-huh. and... Oh he yeah, tries he says to twist it. the only thing I'm more afraid of than something something is a spook with a gun or some shit. And mm-hmm. then he turns to the reporter. He basically says that he's like, "I'm spooked." I mean, well, and then he also uses, "Can we all just get along?" And that's a famous Rodney King quote. Like he is reaching, like he is trying to pander, and he is so fucking clueless. The word that it's actually comedic. This is funny. Trying to watch him like cater to people and just be a total loser like he he completely everything he says is wrong yeah and then so they finally get out of there they get in the limo and there's a fucking doll in the limo yikes Mm -hmm. and he's pissed and scared yeah and he asked the driver if anyone was in the car and the driver is black black yeah no Mm -hmm. unlet anybody in this car the doll out the window yeah Uh uh-huh Mm-hmm, yeah, Duke throws the doll at the window, and you're like, I know that's not the last we're going to see of that. Nope. And then so Duke gets home because he's got to get to the bottom of this shit. Where the fuck do these little um, dolls keep coming from? And he rewatches the tape of his little uh, house nigga campaign manager right before he died. He's rewatching this tape, which is weird. This is like, what? Why do you want to watch your friend's death tape? I hope it's not just morbid curiosity, but in this case, it clearly could be. But I'm thinking maybe it's because he saw the doll in the car and maybe tied it to what happened. Anyways, so they're re- he's rewatching the tape and he notices the doll in the corner of the stairs. And he was like, what the fuck? 
And so then he looks up and that doll is missing from the painting. And he was like, oh, Mm -hmm. hell no. And then all of a sudden he hears a knocking at the door. And I thought this part's funny because the knock is hella loud. It's hella loud. Mm -hmm. The doll is the size of a Barbie, if not probably like smaller and flimsier. It's it's like a GI Joe. Yeah. It's like and not like the tall Barbie size GI Joe, like a five inch, six inch action figure size. Like big, like that big. So this big ass like mm-hmm. boom, 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 like Debo police knock was hilarious. But then he goes to open the door, and then you just hear these little like toe taps. <laughs> yeah, it's like tip, 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 tip. <laughs> like how do you not hear that? It's like, have you seen Trilogy of Terror? Yeah. From the 70s with the Zuni fetish doll. It, has, it reminded me of that. Like when you just hear that little <laughs> doll <laughs> running around. Yeah. Scaring the shit out of Karen Black. It yeah. reminded me of that. They're like little like, um, like little tap dancing. Little tap shoes. Yeah. He had little tap shoes on. But, you know, he leaves the door open for like a long time for the doll to get in, obviously. It sounded like Shirley Temple was coming in. <laughs> I know. And then when he fucking... <laughs> Turns around, the doll is just chilling on the stairs like, what's good, nigga? What's really good, bitch? It literally was like posed that way. Yeah. Kind of like a casual like, like what's up? What's really good, bitch? <laughs> like, what's good? And the doll is chilling and the racism amps up immediately. He just gets right into it. And he's like, you will get no reparations from me. Like, super Fuck it. He repeatedly calls Mrs. Cobb a voodoo bitch. Yeah. He says that multiple, multiple times. times. And he's he screams out like, I don't care how many slaves died, I didn't kill them. Mm-hmm. Like classic racist white people lines. Mm-hmm. I think he also says like, I'm not like my ancestors. He doesn't say it literally, but he's giving like very like, I'm not like my ancestors shit, but he totally is. He is just giving like every um white racist like like up at the, like everything they could get out when they're scared and just like mm-hmm. like I'm about to die. I'm gonna say every racist thing I can. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So then, like he grabs an American flag, like the flagpole, mm-hmm. and then he hits the mural, and that shit starts bleeding because he hits the old voodoo bitch, Mrs. Cobb's, in the face, in the face. and it mm-hmm. starts bleeding. And then the doll is hanging from, like, this little ceiling fan chandelier just swinging. That stop motion was a little fun. (laughs) (laughs) Because they they used stop motion, almost like claymation on the doll. They did. (laughs) (laughs) And those green screen stop motion effects together, it was a little silly. But you're like, okay, we needed, let's brighten it up. Because we heard a lot of nasty words in the last two minutes. (laughs) And Spike was like, you know what, we got the budget. I gave you the extra extra $20 this time around. (laughs) Do what you want. And we don't got Gary Coleman, but we got Claymation. <laughs> right, exactly. We got a little more, guys. And so, um, and so the doll is like hanging from the ceiling, spins around, and like bites Duke on the face and just like, like gnawing on him, like, just gnawing, making that sound. And the Duke like snatches him off and then like pins him to a dartboard. And is like, he's like, I'm going to sh- shoot your little nigger balls off. It's like, <laughs> With a shotgun. Yeah, with yeah. a fucking shotgun. And he, like, blows, like, half this little doll's face off, which is crazy that you even have the aim to do this, but... Because he stands pretty far away with some fucking, like, buckshot. He's <laughs> like, why are you so far away? Like, you have a target and everything. Like, you could just, like... There's so many other ways. Anyways, um, so he's, like, doing, pre- like, target practice with this doll. He comes back, and more dolls are missing from the painting, 
And he seemed surprised. <laughs> like, you just thought it was going to be one and done, my nigga? Like, of course they all fit a gang up on you now. It's a whole squad. Especially after you made her bleed and keep calling her a voodoo bitch because he says some other shit. Some, not even some voodoo bitch something spell can overcome the power of a double barrel shotgun. He is posturing now. He is acting like a plantation owner. It's almost like the spirit of racism in the house is overcoming him because he's being confronted with his ancestral shame and he cannot fucking handle it. He keeps trying to make excuses. He's 100% resorting back to what he knows. Like the ancestors, the slave ancestors are back on his ass and he is like, oh, well, well, let me crank up the racism. So then... (laughs) <laughs> this is when my favorite slur gets used. So he's all surprised and like that the dolls are out. He's like, I'm going to get you nigglets. You little. N- <laughs> and I, ever since then, I remember my whole family, when we watched this the first time together, we all heard nigglets. And as a collective, we decided that is a word we are always going to hang on to and try to use at every opportune <laughs> moment. So the main slave doll is bike. And he's ready for war. He's, like, gearing up. He's, like, ready. He's got a running head start. Yeah. Well, and fucking Duke is still... Like, I'm not going to repeat it, but he says... Well, I'll repeat some. He says, say goodnight, you little piece of... At this point, every phrase, every sentence he utters is just dripping with prejudice. Yeah. And he's trying to load this shotgun up to shoot this doll that is charging him, but he, he he's fumbling and dropping the shells. Yeah, he's scared. So, he gets scared and runs back in his office and locks the doll out. But he turns and looks at the mural and all of the dolls are missing from the mural. But the doll is hella strong because when he goes to close the door, it's like pushing the door open. It is. You would not think that this was like a six inch tall little voodoo doll. This is like a, a life-size Barbie that on steroids. With the strength you know, of a lion, its way dude. Through. Fucking beating its way mm-hmm. through. But I was like, they on your head now, boy, because they all fucking, like, the whole squad is out. It looks like the, um, like this Marvel poster I used to have in my room where it's like every Marvel character ever. <laughs> oh my God. I had one of those too. I actually drew one. Yeah. On like a long ream of computer paper. I drew them all fighting. That is so funny because that's exactly what this looked like. It like every little slave doll was out. We had the Hulk. We had mm. fucking Iron Man. We had fucking like all the niggas was out and they was ready for war. And they all got mm-hmm. on his ass and they ate him. They fucking ate him. Well, yeah, as they're ripping him apart, Mrs. Cobb also steps out of the mural and she materializes in front of him in her rocking chair and just watches as all the dolls just basically eat him alive. They just bite him and literally rip his flesh rip his apart. Flesh, yeah. It's like way more dolls than in the mural, too, which kind of seems like like a comment on, you know, black people or oppressed people having each other's backs. It's like. You fuck with some of us and ancestrally, all of us are going to come back for you. Of course. He was just, he got the brunt of it because he just would not leave that fucking plantation alone. And then like they, she seems very pleased and she's mm-hmm. like, sitting there and the, the main doll is like in her, the main doll is in her arms. Just like, yay, ma, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of cute. <laughs> like, I don't know. I thought it was precious. Like, they got their little revenge and it lived like a happy, you know, happily ever after. And that was the end of that story. And then I like it because then again we get DeAndre Bonds. Hey man, fuck a Barbie. (laughs) 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 And they get to the last casket, and um, Bulldog is not. They recognize him because Bulldog Mm -hmm. is not having that shit. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" 
Mr. Sims is like, oh, you know him? And then somebody's like, yes. But the other two are like, no. They're like, just, mm-hmm. just some nigga from around the way we've seen. And he's like, huh, mm-hmm. okay. And then my favorite song, Born to Die by Spice One, starts playing. One to the chest and two to the dome. Some niggas on your ass and your ass is gone. Like, I love that song. So um, there's a shootout scene that we see with Ricky Harris, R.I.P., and Lamont Bentley, also R.I.P. Yeah, this is Jerome's story, a.k.a. Crazy K. Crazy K! <laughs> He's got a little K shaved into yep, his head. He does, he does. There's a shootout. <laughs> Ricky Harris gets killed. And then Lamont and Bentley ends up on the ground and three shadowy figures are hovering above him. We don't see who it is. And they're like shooting him up. But then the cops come and he goes, he's like laying on the ground, coughing up blood, being like, you know, saved by the motherfucking cops. Yeah, because the cops shoot all those guys up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are the friends of the guy that he shot. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so Crazy K slash Jerome is proposition. He goes to prison, essentially, because, you know, he's obviously locked up in a shootout. And he gets propositioned by this lady to get out early if participates in a program. Also, RIP to Rosalind Cash, who is this doctor, Dr. Cushing. I wonder if that's a nod to horror icon Peter Cushing. Oh, but also, yeah. if you don't know, Rosalind Cash is a daytime Emmy-nominated actress from General Hospital. She is. <laughs> and... She is also Sergeant Stone in Death Spa, which is one of my favorite horror comedies of all time. And she has one of the best lines in horror history to me, even though it's a pretty throwaway line. But she just kicks it out in the door and she's like, fuck this shit. And it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and R.I.P. because she died of cancer in the 90s. Oh. This was her last movie. This was her denouement, <laughs> her, her final film. She scared me in this movie when I was little. Yeah, she has a severeness. She has that CCH pounder severeness that could go into like, she could be very pleasant, but in this movie, she's using her more like, I don't know. Yeah, she's frightening. Yeah, because when I was little, I for some reason sympathized with Crazy K. You know, it's like, he didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Leave him alone. Uh, No. Um, So I was like, she's mean. (laughs) Because I always saw Crazy K is just like, Hakeem from Moesha, so I wasn't really thinking like <laughs> right you right. see what tight casting does to people anyways he's like all right whatever I'll do this program and they end up putting him in this weird cell like this fucking thing next to this clansman essentially in only in his underwear he is in boxers why is he in boxers I don't know they like strip him down that's just very weird I know also, did you did you notice that when he walked in as they were putting him in the cell, there was just like a rack of upside down big titted women being wheeled <laughs> through the room? <laughs> no, I didn't notice. That. <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, I didn't I didn't know if they were like robots or rubber people or something, but it was literally like a rack of big titted women, android or human, I don't know. Rubber or skin, not sure either. Rubber people just dang, hanging from their feet. <laughs> I got to go back and see that now. Maybe I made it up because I thought a mouse took a shit on uh, the teacher earlier. And it was clearly a bird because that shit was white. Mouse have little brown turdlets. They do not have. Like, I'm still trying to figure out how your brain got there. Like, I think I just blinked and I didn't fully see it. And I don't know why I thought it was a mouse. (laughs) Maybe I just wanted it to be one. I mean, mice are nocturnal. Birds aren't. The sun have been set. 
the explanation is making it worse. God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then, so he's in this like cell. So anyway, next to, <laughs> next to this super racist motherfucker who is um, super, you know, Peckerwood, right? Pride. He shows up all his little racist ass Lisa Frank body art. Yeah, he has a fucking Hitler tattoo. I noticed that right away, even before we found out he was a racist. His little dagger that says nigger killer in, like, um, Comic Sans. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it does. It, it was very childish fun. You can't it expect was, me to take you seriously yeah. with that now, bro. Come on now. Come on. He read the cliff notes on how to be a racist and just... He had, like, <laughs> had the, the live, up. laugh, love of, like, racist tattoos. It was just, like, very, like... <laughs> it was like a butterfly that was, like hang the ball or something. I don't know. It was weird. But he is like telling him, he's showing off his little body art, but he's also simultaneously being like, you know, this is when the race war happens, this and this is going to happen, you know, and only the good niggers will be spared. Are you a good nigger? He was like, the fuck are you talking about? And he was like, well, you killed some guys, those guys that you killed. What color were they? And then Kay doesn't answer. And then he starts laughing. The racist dude starts laughing. He's like, they were black. They were niggers, weren't they? And then Kay just punches him in the face. Doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Starts laughing still. He, like, does that weird white boy thing where he, like, licks his own blood. And he's like, ah, ah. Uh, uh, Yeah. It's like, nigga, it's your own blood. It's not weird. It'd be weird if it was somebody else's blood. Yeah, I'm like, did Jared Leto watch this movie before he started his career? Because I feel like Jared Leto's that type he, of guy. He's done that so many times. He does that just for fun. Mm -hmm. Jeez. That is an interesting point, though. About, I know, because that like, was, like, points were made. Violence. Points were made. It's interesting that they chose to put that message forward using a racist character. Yeah, but it makes sense because then the doctor says that uh, he was intentionally put there. And if he completes the project, he'll go home. But he was put by that dude for a reason. And we shortly find out why. Yeah, if he fails the project, he'll rot in solitary for the rest of his life. And the doctor calls him scum, too. She don't give a fuck what happens to him. She don't give a fuck about him. But while she's all explaining this, she's in an extremely outstanding white suit with, like, this, like, caped, these draped, like, arms and stuff, these bell arms. It was very beautiful. The wide-legged pants, too. And then very all the 90s. other assistants in, like, these latex, like, skater kind of skirts. sci fi yeah. looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were cute. But everybody was very fashionable in this chamber. Well, and Jerome is in a thong. And Jerome is packing. Did you? I mean, maybe my gay eyes went right there, but holy shit. My little seven-year-old eyes. Is I've, hung. Always, I've always kept my eyes on the prize, okay? That shit is folded three times in there. <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> it looks like, you know, when you, you know when you put, like, thigh-high socks and you, like, fold them up and, like, roll them into each other? <laughs> it looked like that. Like, it was just like a loaf of bread in his jaws. I was like, oh, my God. Moesha. And you could tell it was real because you could see the imprint of the head. So you're like, okay, that's not stuffed. That's that's meat. <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, this is what moat to the Ita the was getting. Okay, mm -hmm. I love it. Moesha. Let me see. Let me but find out. It is out. disturbing then. Dr. Cushing straps into a lab table and like puts these little nodes on him and sticks a tube up his nose. And she is giving like kind of, I know we brought this up in another, or I brought this up in, in the Willy Wonka episode, I think, but she's giving like Dr. Mangala vibes, like experimenting on people. And that would kind of tie in with the guy, like the other prisoners, Hitler tattoo. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It's giving very like, not, there were parallels to Nazism in this. Just oh, for also sure. that like, Kind of throwback vintage 40s sci-fi looking facility. Again, 
very Nazi concentration camp, like experimental hospital situation going on here. And it's disturbing because you're also looking at Jerome's huge package and confronted with this very bizarre triggering imagery. And it is a mind fuck a little bit. Yeah. It's smart though. This, it gets you thinking your mind is getting pulled in several different directions watching this. And it's saying a lot all at once. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she straps him up to this contraption that kind of reminds me of those rides from the 90s where they, like, put your whole body on that, like, round thing. The Gravitron? <laughs> spin you in all the different directions. Yeah. I never wanted to get on that thing. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. That was, like, the Looney Tunes. There was, like, the Taz... And then you're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. you go in the circle in the different ways. It's like so scary. And you're dude. just like, I hope I'm not next to the person that barfs and the barf like <laughs> splats into me. God. That happens. So um, she puts on like the, the glasses and puts the liquid in his body and shit. And then mm-hmm. there's just all this imagery of gang violence and like lynchings from like the KKK and like slave violence and just fucking it's graphic as fuck on both ends it shows white on black violence and also black on black violence and i'm not sure if they're conflating the two or it's an interesting way of being i'm not sure if the film is trying to say these things are the same or just that these things are both bad and we should be addressing both of them but it's an interesting juxtaposition so this is where i have a problem all right guys so this part is like really relevant more so now <laughs> than it was. Cause back in the nineties, this is an acceptable message to be like, we got to stop the black on black crime because if we want white people to stop killing us, we got to mm. stop killing us. Which yes. Okay. Girl go off. That is, a, that is a valid point. Two things can be true at once. However, don't try to get away from one problem by veering to mm-hmm. this problem. Okay. We're addressing this right now. This is why that all lives matter shit. Got to shut the fuck up. This is why that like, this is an isolated, not isolated, but this is like a sole, like singular thing that we're focusing on. Stop trying to bring outside shit in. Cause why are we talking about white on white violence? Cause white people don't get killed by the cops as much as black people do. I'm sorry. It's just not how mm-hmm. it is. And if you don't think that's true, then stop listening to this podcast and block me. Cause I'm gonna stand on that forever. Yeah. It's percentage wise people. You need to think about percentages. Don't use math to prove a racist point, especially when it's obvious you're knowingly doing it. A technique called sea lioning. Why are you trying to argue? Why are you trying to argue racism? Yeah, you just you ask questions antagonistically and and point out facts as weapons instead of trying to enlighten. And when you do that, it's obvious that you know you're being racist. One thousand. So I get because again, we have to think about the time this came out. So for the time, this conversation made sense. This parallel made sense because this is like the beginning of gangster rap too. We were very early on in this, like this very hardcore. This is when two Tupac mm-hmm. CDs and shit were getting banned. Still, like it made sense for the era. This mm-hmm. is when we're getting introduced to like West Coast violence, especially gang violence and stuff, um, Bloods, Crips, all that shit, right? So I get it. Yeah, even Easy E was around this time, wasn't it? Like all that stuff with NWA. Yeah, I think he died. Like, well, I know right. he didn't die from gang violence, but you know, just all the stuff that they were. No, involved no, no. In. I think all of that stuff was like right before this movie was made. Okay. So yeah, it was like ninety four. Yeah, yeah, it was at the time, and so again, I get why that point is made here, but trying to apply that shit to now is not going to work for me because we know better, and we also know that there's way more factors. Yeah. 
There's other lack shit. of resources, lack of education and information, distributing crack shortly before this in lots of inner cities. You know, there's a lot of reasons. People like the police in the first story who set gangs up against each other by stealing drugs and, you know, framing people and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Shaking down successful black politicians like Martin Morehouse. What they're trying to do in this is say that there is no difference between the KKK and racists killing us versus us killing us. Like, we all are killing black people, which I guess, girl, sure, but no. But she starts going off on this whole thing about that, essentially, being like, you know, you're killing your brothers and you need to be helping the black community, Jerome. You're not doing anything, da 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 like all that shit, right? The line that stuck out to me was when she said, you don't like seeing black people being killed, Jerome, but isn't that what you've been doing your whole life? And she says it in such a condescending way. And I'm like, you're also experimenting on people in really sadistic ways like i can't tell again like if it's showing her hypocrisy as well like she's also perpetuating the cycle in a way we don't really know what's gonna wind up like what happens if he fails he spends his life in solitary or are they gonna kill him really because he can't know this shit so it feels like the message is either a little muddled or they are actually indicting her as well so she puts him in a sensory deprivation chamber it's very creepy. It's the epileptic chamber because mm-hmm. it's like a strobe. It's like strobe lights going yeah. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's sitting in this thing. Like she lowers him in there with the rope, which also was like. They did it on purpose for sure. They made a point of it. And it's very uncomfortable. Which is weird because it does make you think you guys are harping on this like black on black crime issue and like the preservation of black people. And look at how you're treating this black man who is a criminal. Yes. But you're treating him like an animal. But you're telling him not to go out and act like an animal, but you're treating him like one. So you're perpetuating, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, I wonder what, I would What's like the to end game? their brain and see what messages they were really trying to get out and if they would still stand by them now. Yeah, like, what's the end game here, folks? So they do this and like in the room, it's flashing and they tell him that everything that happens in this room is just what's going on in his mind. Cause there's no sound. There's no light. There's nothing. Yeah, He can't hear or see anything. Yeah. So it's everything that's in his mind. Then all his victims start showing up. And it's funny cause, um, one of them is like three dudes. And the first dude is like, you shot me in the head. That shit was wrong, man. And he was like, mm-hmm. and then you shot me here. That shit was wrong, man. And then he's like, and then you did this. And the dude is like, that shit was really wrong, G. Like, I'm saying it. It was really funny. But um, all these, like, gunshot victims look kind of cool, though, because, like, they have different parts of their bodies just, like, blasted off. And then we get this little girl whose entire chest is, like, blown out. Mm-hmm. Very graphic. Yeah, he killed her with a stray bullet. The three guys he killed were not even the guys that he was supposed to kill. They were like, we were innocent. You killed the wrong people. And she was like, did I deserve to die? Because she got shot by a stray bullet in her room. And he blames her for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's like, that's the whole thing that the doctor is trying to get across to him. Accountability. Taking personal responsibility. And he won't. And there is The none. first guy he literally killed for ripping him off. He said mm-hmm. he, he was clearly he one of his dealers. Shout. And he said, you kept coming up short. And I'm like, you killed someone over... I mean, we don't know how much money it is. But you just straight up shot him over that. So I think, like... I don't know. I think the doctor is trying to show the pettiness of some of the reasons, which is a point, but it's still like conflating it in a way that's a little 
it's victim blaming, even no, though it's a sure. black woman doing it. Because the real evil is white nationalism and, you know, just white supremacy. Mm-hmm. That's the villain. Which is always the villain in every story, even in fucking Little Mermaid. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. is The villain is always white supremacy every story. Rugrats go to Paris, think about it. <laughs> Anyways, um, before I start ho-tapping. Space Jam, white yeah, supremacy. White supremacy. It's all about the brother man, not the other man. So he's sick of hearing all this shit. He's like, fuck all y'all. And then he tries to hold one of the assistant bitches hostage. And he puts her in a chokehold. <laughs> like, I, that's when I was confused. I was like, is this his imagination still? Like, he, <laughs> he's violent even in his dreams, dude. He doesn't give a fuck. And he keeps saying that. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and he's like, he just wants, I just want to get out of here. And Dr. Cushing is just like, there's nothing stopping you from breaking these chains and getting out of here. So he, yeah, he breaks out, he starts choking her, and the doctor's like, this is your opportunity to change. You choking her right now, you can now turn it all around. And he's like, I don't need a second chance. I don't give a fuck. He keeps just saying that. I don't give a fuck. And then all of a sudden, I don't give a fuck. everybody disappears. Yeah. And he's back at the shootout, and it's like, was this all fake? Because he's back at where he was, dead and bloodied, and he gets shot the fuck up, and then we veer out, and it's um, our friends from the funeral home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a dream, but it's not a dream. It's like he failed his test to get into heaven or not into heaven, but to to maybe or just to live like it was like the deity of Dr. Cushing didn't allow him to survive because he wouldn't take accountability for his actions. Uh-huh, she was uh-huh. like, oh, we're just going to let you die. We're just going to let you die in these streets. And so the our three friends are Stack, Ball and Bulldog. I had to look up their names. Um mm-hmm. But Stack, Ball, and Bulldog, and they are the ones who end up killing Crazy K. And Bulldog is pissed because he doesn't like the last story. And he tells Sims, yo, what the fuck was that about? It's time to kill this nigga because he knows a little too much. He That that last story was sounding a little too familiar. And he's finna tell on us. So we got to mm-hmm. kill this nigga. Yeah, he puts a gun to his head. Yeah. And then he's like not shook at all, really. No. He says that men like Jerome, you can't rehabilitate. You just kill them. And that clearly hit these guys where it hurts. And they're like, if you don't give us the shit right now, we're going to kill you right here. We're going to kill you right here, right now. And so it's like kind of a hostage situation at this point to get the shit and then just to off this nigga. And he's like, all right, follow me. Come on, you guys follow me. And then he progressively just gets creepier and weirder and just like more out. And then when he's leading them into different rooms at this point, he's touching the lights and they're lighting up. Mm hmm. Yeah. And he's starting to laugh a little bit. He's laughing and he's going, woo. He's like, wooing. Like, he, he's having a good time. Cause she's about to get real fun for him. And mm-hmm. then the music starts getting. Like that crazy, like operatic, like horror music. The omen type. Yeah. yeah the omen <laughs> level <laughs> score coming in. <laughs> I got to play a clip of it. <laughs> Mine just cutting it. <laughs> then he, um, yeah, they end up in the basement and he leads them into a room where there's three coffins. He's like, we've got the shit. Here's the shit. And 
I love this this scene. This scene this and scene this is shot is incredible right here because like they all line up to each casket. You know what I mean? Um, they're all next to each casket and they each open it and they're like, what the fuck? Like collectively shook. Mm-hmm. And in the casket, it's them. They're like looking at themselves in the casket dead. You know, made up all nice. The one who doesn't look good is Bulldog. He's the last one. He looks like just like a straight up rubber dub- like dummy. Like He really does. I did notice that. I was like, his lips look a little off. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> We're, y'all did not try at all. Y'all got the scraps from, um, no. what was it? Um, the makeup effects budget ran out by this, this was, point. This was like the leftover dummy from um, Don't Be a Menace when they stomped him out. <laughs> they just threw that in the <laughs> casket and was like, here, put a bandana on him. Um, but uh, yeah, it's all of them in their own caskets. And Bulldog wants to shoot the dude. And when he goes to shoot them, their guns turn red and it's hot. And they're mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is going on? And Sim's eyes turn all red and scary, too. Yeah, and then he goes, they find out after killing Crazy K, his boys retaliated and they died. Um, so that shootout mm-hmm. that happened with the cops, the cop shootout and all that, 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 they died then, too. Then I get my favorite line. He goes, what kind of funeral home is this? And he goes, this ain't no funeral home. And it ain't the Terror Dome either. Welcome to hell. And then like, motherfuckers. motherfuckers. <laughs> and then through his gap, like this little, <laughs> this little animated snake tongue <laughs> comes out on the motherfuckers. That, that it specifically through the gap just sent me to the moon. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny. And then the, oh, this CGI was so bad, but amazing. <laughs> yeah. The music keeps amping. Yeah, see, you want to try it. It's fun. Yeah. But the creepy hell music comes, and they're all Harlem shaking in hell, literally. Because DeAndre Bonds has the best shake. Like, <laughs> like it's so good. Those fucking CGI flames were so bad, too. So good. But, you know, I love it. I love it. It ended on cinema. a nice, campy note. Cinema. Mm-hmm. This is incredible stuff yeah. we're getting. People riveting, riveting, riveting film. And that was the end. So one of the greatest movies of all time for me. A good, another hood classic. Mm-hmm. I'm never not going to watch this movie anytime it's on television or like I see it come across the screen. It's got, like I said, some really heavy themes without being heavy handed on those themes, especially on like the churchy mm-hmm. stuff. Because especially a lot of times with black horror, we'll get all churchy with it. And then be like, God's your only Death savior. Death by Temptation was an example of that. Yeah. yeah. God's your only savior out of any of this demonic shit. And it's like, no, 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 no. Sometimes people just deserve to go to hell. And then sometimes shit is just dark, <laughs> you know? Sometimes shit is just dark and scary and there is no God to save you. And you got to be held accountable for your own actions. But also I think all of the social issues of the 90s being brought up in creative ways and used through the lens of like, which I said, gangster culture, which is huge, and black on black mm-hmm. violence, police brutality, um, domestic and like home violence. Because I feel like that's something else that's not really talked about a lot in the black community is like, what is abuse? Yeah. What is child abuse? Mm-hmm. Because right. so many people are growing up getting whoopings, getting spanked, and thinking that's normal. But it's like, no, thinking it's normal. Yeah. You were mm-hmm. abused. Okay. And that's not normal. Yeah. And it doesn't make you weak for admitting you were abused. I think that's the thing. Like, black people are told that 
like many other minorities, you have to be strong. You have to be stronger and more stoic than white people because you have to, you know, you can't show vulnerability because the oppressor will pounce on your vulnerability. Yeah, a thousand. Unfortunately, sometimes you close out your emotions that way and you ignore your traumas and, and your triggers. Yeah, I guess like looking back at that, especially with Walter's story, not even thinking about stuff like that until rewatching mm-hmm. it and then having to like, you know, get um, a more analytical view of it. And I'm just like, oh, shit, that that is a thing. And then I mean, because Duke's story is probably the Duke and the cop story is probably the most like in your face about the theme. Those are the two. Focus on racism. Like, yeah. And it's, it's much more uh, like pointed, those two stories. And it's so funny because those are the most political stories, too. So it's like your politicians mm-hmm. are racist people. Hmm. Yeah, it's like the, the stories go back and forth between being about racism and then issues within the black community itself. The first one's about racism. The second one's about issues within the black community. The third one's about racism. And the fourth one's about issues within the black community. And I think, unfortunately, in like the second and fourth stories a little bit, it does conflate certain well, i guess not so much the second one but the fourth one i'm glad the fourth one is the shortest because it feels the least realized to me and yeah. just a little dated in the way it yeah. was saying what it was saying but it's still powerful and i'm not really in a place to judge it because i'm not black obviously but it just felt at, tonally maybe at odds with the other three a little the older i get the more i hate the black on black crime argument i even hate the term black on mm-hmm. black crime because what the fuck crime is crime my nigga and it's like not some all crimes matter shit, but let's just focus on cops, mm-hmm. people with power, using that power to harm people who don't have any power. And let's not, um, you know, deflect from that because you're taking away the responsibility that needs to be placed on these people to stop abusing their power. And yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with how well this movie holds up even later, even with like its shortcomings, Mm -hmm. just like death by temptation. I feel like it's super underrated in those themes and people not recognizing it for that. And considering who is in this movie, this is far more egregiously underseen than even death by temptation. Death by temptation's audience is even smaller, but that had a smaller budget and didn't really have, I mean, it had Samuel Jackson, but it was in an earlier role before he was really big. This movie, on the other hand, like had so many popular stars of the time, it had David Allen Greer, and still it just really slid under the radar in general, like in mainstream pop culture. Yeah, because everybody I fuck with has seen this movie, but like everybody I fuck with is not. It the was world. too political for white people. Like that's why white culture like latched on to half baked. It latched on to how high. It latched on to Friday because they like to consume black culture that doesn't consistently confront them with the the privilege that comes with their whiteness yeah i appreciate this movie because there's not a lot of black um horror anthology things for us and i am a kid of the creep show tales from the crypt era Mm -hmm. same creep show i loved when i saw when i was little and i even love the new series that's out on shutter now it's so good but there was just not one that was made you know from the black lens and mm-hmm. to finally get that and it'd be so good and so strong and like hit all these points while still having camp while still having some comedy while still having some like real nigga aspects like <laughs> is the mm-hmm. shit and i fucking love this movie and like i said still holds up really strong. I feel like it's gained more success now than it did then. And I'm fucking with it the long way, strong way, dude. This is the shit movie. This movie's great. Shout out to DeAndre Bonds. Call me boo. 
it was much better than I remember, or just much more impactful than I remember it being. And I was pleasantly surprised to see it again. And I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to promote Amazon Prime, but it is available to rent on Prime for three ninety nine if you want to see it. Oh, I, I don't know even we pay don't want to dollar. support Jeff Bezos. Well, fuck you. <laughs> Where did you pay a dollar? On Amazon. <laughs> It's on sale. Oh. It's on sale for a dollar ninety-eight. I think I paid three ninety-eight or <gasps> ninety-nine. Whatever. Oh, you overpay with lo- gas. I can't wait till we start um being able to write these as tax write-offs and get our dollars back. Affirmative action. I'm turning into Duke <laughs> Metger. <laughs> How dare Amazon? She's not getting movies give for me. a dollar <laughs> and I'm not. Ugh. And I feel like my privilege is being challenged. Caucasian shriek. <laughs> I know Netflix, there's a sequel to this. I don't want to say I don't support it because I didn't watch it. I'm just not interested in seeing. There's two sequels, yeah. It came out in like 2018 or something and it's supposed to be talking about like current stuff now. I don't care. When it came out, I was kind of over the black trauma porn. I don't know. I'm just kind of over because you know what? HBO Max is like for Black History Month, we're um, focusing on black cinema and black film. 12 Years a Slave, The Butler, The Help, or whatever the fuck. I'm like, nigga, are you fucking serious? I'm gonna knock all this shit over. Stop playing with me. (laughs) I still cannot get over that the main character in The Help is a ginger white woman named Skeeter. It is just all wrong. It's really, it is a white savior movie. I love Viola Davis, and Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer do a good job in that movie too, but it really is just a white savior movie. I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. I don't give a fuck. I want to see some black astronauts. I want to see some black witches. I want to see some fucking... I I want to see something else. I'm so tired of us talking about damn slavery. I did see this horror movie, Nanny, virtually on at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival. And it centers on a black woman from Senegal. And it's a very interesting movie. It's not super scary, But it is dark and it does like tackle themes of immigration and that like immigrants don't have to be held to the standard of being like the perfect minority. But like it was interesting and it was nice, even though the themes were dark, it wasn't like it wasn't trauma porn. I'm just that's why I'm really happy that we're in like a bit of a renaissance right now for black cinema and art and film and television. There's so many stories that can be told that don't have to deal with us being in the goddamn fields or somebody's fucking token or somebody's fucking sideline character who helps the main character come to some sort of realization and then they're just like never fully developed. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the the magical trope, the yeah, the soothsayer type. Yeah, bullshit. you're not gonna make me no magic nigga. Like I'm not doing that. And so I love that there's just like new stuff out there. Like, Jordan Peele is, people are critical of him. I'm not, because I'm just happy to have, like, I'm one of those people that's that's grateful for what we have until I see a boom, and then, like, more stuff come out. And then I'm like, okay, now we can tighten up. Now we can be more refined. Now we can, we just need to get a foot in the door. I don't care whose foot it is, what's being put out there. As long as it's, like, good content that's telling the right stories, giving a different perspective. Because people are, like, often critical of Jordan Peele's style, which is, like, very annoying. Mm -hmm. But it's like, dude, at least somebody is giving us something different. I don't want to see any more, like, fucking... I read 12 Years a Slave, and that pissed me off enough. 
Like, why the fuck do I want to watch something about that? And or like the Nat Turner story, like great story, but I'm sorry. I just don't want to hear about a slave revolt and stuff. Like, let's move on. Black people, like, we need to honor our ancestors by showing them that we're doing something amazing with like the opportunities and doors they've opened for us. You know what I mean? And so we need to take those opportunities. And that's not on black people's responsibility because white people need to start listening to us and give us those opportunities to fucking make changes in like the the film and art industry. Like shout out to Quinta Brunson and Issa Rae because Abba Elementary is amazing. Insecure is a great show. There's a lot of great black TV shows right now, like Harlem on Amazon. There's fucking God. There's so many that I can't even like, I feel like a bad black person for not remembering everything right now, but there's so much good black art to consume right now. You guys, if you have Netflix, you should watch the movie Atlantics. It's not a horror movie, but there's like a ghostly element to it. It's really beautifully done. It's by a French director or French African director, Maddie Diop. Oh, it's sick. really good. It's beautifully nice. shot. See? Yeah. And it's not trauma porn. Yeah. There's so much out there. If you don't know, like there's a website, I think it's called white people won't save you. Yeah. It's called white people won't save you.org. It's a bunch of clips from like white savior movies on a loop to a song called white people won't save you and it's every white savior movie in cinema history i think um or for them like a bunch for the most part and it's just like reminds must be you a long ass video it is it's incredibly long but if you have time like i do <laughs> you have time to watch but yeah you guys consume black art outside of trauma porn stop sharing trauma porn on the internet also Oops, sorry. Edit this out. <laughs> Lauren Smith Fields. Justice for Lauren Smith Fields. Have that same energy y'all had for the, was her Gabby Petito? Is that her name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heck, keep that same energy because this girl went on a date with this white man, went missing. Her family didn't even find out about it because there was no investigation and the parents had to find out about it from the landlord who put a notice on the door that was like, if you're looking for Lauren, call this number. They called the number, found out she had been missing and she was dead. And the family had to call the cops a bunch of times. They hung up on the family and said, stop calling. Told the family to stop calling. Like, come on, y'all. This is why, like, girl, black girls, we go missing all the time and nobody gives a fuck. And it just is fucking sad. So yeah, she went on this date. Nobody investigated this nigga. He went on. She went on a date with. He's still free. I'm pretty sure. Like this whole case has just been a shit show. Please look it up. Look into the Lauren Smith Fields and just getting justice for her because Mama was done wrong. Another beautiful life missing. She was found. Like they said that there like were drugs in her system, which means she was obviously her family said obviously she was drugged and you know murdered. And it's just like, it's sad. So I'm going to dedicate this episode to her because we need justice. Yeah. We, we give so much energy to white victims and then like pay the black dis- victims dust. So that Brianna Taylor level energy that white people had for one summer is already gone. And Brianna Taylor still hasn't gotten justice either. For some reason, when a white girl goes missing, the entire nation is in an uproar and everybody becomes an internet sleuth and is literally trying to send the police clues. The way that it YouTube, is very sad that YouTube it doesn't solved that case women. for the police, for that Gabby girl, not mm-hmm. to say she didn't deserve that. That's fine. Like 
everyone deserves justice but let's give justice to everybody since y'all want to be the first one to say all lives matter yeah where's the all just say white that's what those people mean they're saying us too even though they don't need it you know yeah there's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what the phrase black lives matter mean when they do that and say those things. Yeah. So that's all not to get too, um, you know, actually spooky, <laughs> but oh. <laughs> these are the horrors of, you know, black life guys. So my life is a horror movie. Welcome. But yeah, this is a great episode. I'm so glad we got to talk about one of my favorite movies ever. And if you have any suggestions or questions or anything, hit us up. Queer Horror High on Instagram, on Twitter. You guys, my page, if you follow me specifically, Darling Nikki on Instagram, I'm like banned right now or restricted because Instagram is mad that I was promoting four day work weeks and said that I was spreading misinformation, <laughs> which is <laughs> so wrong. So you were just sharing facts about Finland or Sweden, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, and I was just kind of hoping for, you know, that to trickle on down to America. A girl was doing some wishful thinking, and I post such chaotic things anyway. I posted a suicide pod on my fucking story a couple months ago, and that didn't get taken down. But I'm allowed to talk about, like, I'm not allowed to be like, we need to work less. Like, God forbid. Ugh. Instagram and Facebook and even Twitter, in many ways, only really give a shit when the straight white status quo is offended. That's all they care about. Because you know what? Those are the people behind the screens, behind the scenes, sifting through what the algorithm caught and deciding what's offensive or not. Yes, there's an algorithm, but there are people deciding how the algorithm is made and what it finds to be offensive and how that, once the post is flagged, how that's going to end up. So... It's bullshit, you guys. So I'm being silenced on Instagram, so you probably won't hear from me for a little bit. But I'll be, like, just being chaotic on the Queer Horror High page now since I can't be on my own page. So I'll be doing a lot of shit for Black History Month unnecessarily. Anyways, love you guys. Yeah, no question. I don't. Sorry. I'm tired. (laughs) And it's Black History Month. I don't have to say anything, okay? (laughs) I have to answer to you, people. Just kidding, I don't mean Nikki that. is not beheld. I was about to say, Nikki is not beheldin to anybody. That isn't a word. No, but um, you know what the fuck he was trying gonna... to say about me? So, uh, yeah, good night. Bye-bye. Bye. We'll see you next week. Watch his house on Netflix. Stay scared and say hi. Bye. Oh, yeah, stay haired, stay haired and stay top. <laughs> fuck shit. Piss. <laughs> Bitch. Bye. Thanks for listening to Queer Horror High. Damn, that shit's good.